Our second reading comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. We're finishing up our sermon series called In the Beginning, where we've been looking at scriptures from the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, that serve as foundational texts for how we understand the whole of scripture and the whole of our lives. So listen for a word from God from Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you are the God whom we love. Pray this all in your name. Amen. This piece of scripture is called the Shema. It's called the Shema because that is the Hebrew word for hear, listen. And it has formed one of the most important prayers through all of the Jewish faith and the Christian faith. The Shema, hear, listen. It comes right after the Israelites have been given the law and the Ten Commandments. It's almost as if God is saying, if you mess up on all those other things, remember this one thing. If you get lost in the law, if you get lost and can't remember the Ten Commandments, remember this one thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. In our Mark passage, Jesus expanded that of what does it mean to go beyond that? What does it mean to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and strength? You have to love others as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments. You have to be able to recognize the humanity of those around you and react with love and compassion. Have you ever had the thought on a Sunday morning after a long week of work, You haven't slept well on Saturday nights, or maybe a certain football game kept you up too late, and Sunday morning rolls around, and you have thought, why do I go to church? What's the point? What am I getting out of this? Here, listen, church, the Lord is your God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. This church gathering to worship. This is a community of believers where we gather to remind ourselves what our central call in life is. Because in the busyness of life, in the chaos of work, between fall breaks and traveling, between caring for our parents or our grandchildren, sometimes it's difficult to remember the central call to love the Lord God with all our hearts, minds, and souls. But the love of God permeates every part of life. And so when we gather together to worship, we remember that we are called to proclaim 
but to understand and to know God's love. Or have you ever wondered, why do I pray? In those moments of deep quiet in the morning, or maybe in the busyness or chaos of a dark moment when you're praying and you think, why do I do this? Here, listen, friends, the Lord is God, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. We pray because it's a time to remember that we are not the center of the universe. More of my life than I care to admit revolves around the fact that I am absolutely sure everyone wants to know what's going on with me, and the world revolves around me. But to pray is to enter into the presence of God. And when we enter into the presence of God, we can't help but acknowledge that God is God and we are not. That our love of God supersedes all other aspects of life. In all things, we are called to grow in our love of God. And then there's this call in the Shema to pass on the faith, the love of God, to the next generation both the generation that comes after us, but also the generations next to us. And I'm in this time in my life where I'm thinking, what traditions am I going to establish with my family? What traditions did I grow up with that I want to pass along to my daughter, that I want my wife and I to participate in? The issue is, when I think back of traditions with my family, there hardly are any. Because unfortunately for my poor mother, she grew up with four boys. And every time she tried to instill a tradition for a holiday or a vacation, it would in the end be mercilessly mocked and forgotten about. For example, my mom, for a couple of years, would pull out the box of ornaments when we would decorate the Christmas tree. And with each ornament, she'd tell us the story of where that ornament came from. And we'd take it and go hang it on the tree. So she'd say, this Snoopy ornament your father and I bought on our first anniversary. And we'd go and hang it. Or this ornament you made when you were in the kindergarten. And you remember your teacher? And you're like, yeah, and we'd go and hang it up. But that lasted two years. And then all of a sudden, my little brother sat down at the ornaments first. And he started making up stories as he handed them out. Here you go, Brett. This is the ornament the Pope gave me when I saved that boy from the well. (laughs) He really loved Snoopy. Go hang it on the tree. Or he would use it to roast his other brothers. Here, Brett, here is the ornament before you had braces, when you had a crooked smile, as evidenced by the macaroni everywhere. (laughs) Go and hang it. Eventually, my mom decided decorating the tree by herself was probably easier. Every intentional tradition we tried to instill around holidays or vacation would eventually fall apart because of the irony of my brothers. But the things my parents did day in and day out formed and influenced me. One of the things that comes to mind is, again, I grew up with four brothers, and so life was chaos getting us to sports We went to a school district that we were actually out of district, so it took 30 minutes to drive there and back. Our schedules were chaos. But every night, we would gather to eat a meal together, sometimes not until 8 p.m., 
without phones or without TV, and we would sit and talk. And that formed me because I understood the love of my parents and the love of my brothers that was demonstrated every single day. Every single moment formed me. And now that's something that I want to pass on to my family. Of what does it look like to do love every single day that moves and transforms us? And I think this is what the Shema is telling us. Make loving God every day, every part of your life. Not just on the high holy days. But make compassion and generosity flow out of you in everything that you do. If we desire to pass along loving God and valuing God above all, it can't be reserved for only church on a Sunday morning. It has to flow in every interaction that we do and we see. When it comes to taking God's love to the next generation, I think of our Wednesday night live program that we do here at the church where children come and they're taught stories by someone who's not their parent. And then they sing songs together by someone who loves them and loves music and creativity. And then they share a meal together with someone that's called a table parent that sits and listens to the crazy stories that the kids come up with and they share a meal together. Because those moments are forming. Those moments are when children receive love and they don't forget that even if they don't realize it until many years later. That love moves and transforms us. This past week, I was in a class with several other pastors who were between the ages of 45 and 70. And we were told that we had to define what church was. And so we all wrote down our statements. And then we had to identify what were the, what's the background? Where did we get our statements from? Who influenced us and these are all very mature theologians they have been they have studied they went to seminary but every single one of them said my influence of church was either influenced by a parent or an uncle or aunt or a sunday school teacher or a youth helper or someone near them it wasn't a theologian but it was someone who loved them and this is how the love of God was passed on by being love. If loving God seems like too abstract of a concept for you, an amazing place to start with loving God is loving one another. Because when we love others, we love the beloved children of God. When we fight for justice for the oppressed, we are doing the work of God here on the, in the world. To love God to love others. This morning, we're going to have two baptisms. And I'm reminded, and we all should be reminded, that the reason we love God is because Almighty God loved us first. As demonstrated in the baptism of a baby, before we could even speak, God's saving, cleansing love washed over us and claimed us as God's own. But also God continues to claim us as we get older, no matter where we go, what we've done, where we've been. God's grace abounds. 
I'll tell you all that my love of God has grown because of you all. Because I've watched you love others and I've understood the love of God better. Because you have told me that you're praying for me and it's not some platitude, you actually are. And that makes me realize the love of God better. And so as we go into the world, what better way to care for the world than to love others? To pray for others and to let them know that we're praying for them. To reach out to those who are needy and not just giving them what they need in materials, first with that, but then also in love. We are called to bring love into the world and all that we do. Church, we are a community that loves God and loves others. Let us make this the center of everything we do, evidenced in everything that we are, in every choice that we make. Hear, O oh church, the Lord God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. May it be so, and thanks be to God. Amen.